into A to Z Sports Primetime from the Superbook Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I am proud, as always, to be presented to you by our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. The official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators is the Ashton team. You can get the Intel edge you need to succeed at GaryAshton.com. Two Rivers Ford, of course, where you can go for any number of fantastic quality American-made Ford vehicles, whether it's the F-150 Lightning, the all-electric F-150, the brand-new Bronco, whether you're going for the Bronco Sport or the standard model and all the different options that you have to choose from. The Explorer, the Mustang, so many different vehicles for you to pick from if you choose to go to Two Rivers Ford and check out their award-winning customer service since 1983. Superbook Sports, also the newest sports book to go live in the state of Tennessee. Superbook Sports, the app, very simple. All of the odds for every Titans game, already out, all the gambling lines for the Titans regular season opponents, all 17 of them, available in the Superbook Sports app and cool odds boosts that I'll tell you about later on in the show. So, Position camp or camp position battles, what we're looking at right now, kind of getting into this. We had a depth chart, a depth chart be released, an unofficial depth chart, which I'm still trying to figure out why the unofficial depth chart comes directly from the team, but whatever. There's an unofficial depth chart out because the league requires that every NFL team ahead of their preseason games do so. And what you see is three positions that are up for grabs, basically, according to this unofficial depth chart. Three positions where they have not outright named a starter. It's the left guard spot with Aaron Brewer and Jamarco Jones still in competition. There's the right tackle with Dylan Radens and Nicholas Petit-Frere, the rookie out of Ohio State, the third-round pick, one of two that the Titans had in this year's draft. Remember the other third-round pick? The second of the third-round picks was Malik Willis. And then the outside corner spot opposite Christian Fulton with Caleb Farley and Roger McCreary, which we've discussed uh, as uh, as recently as Sunday night. But now with the offensive line, it seems to be more real at right tackle than any other position on the roster, clearly and obviously. And that's become evident in the last couple of days. Dylan Radens, it still may be his job to lose. In fact, I do think it's his job to lose. but. He is more in jeopardy of somebody coming and taking that job for him than the other two players whom I uh, who would be, I would consider, front runners for the other starting spots. That would be Aaron Brewer at the left guard and Roger McCreary for the outside corner. Perhaps Caleb Farley will make it more of a competition, but so far I think McCreary is the more consistent player right now. Could change. We'll see. But with the right tackle, you want to know that whomever is going to be in front of Ryan Tannehill is going to do a better job than the collection of front five players that they had last year. Uh, you know that David Questenberry was wildly underwhelming at the right tackle spot. In fact, I think Ty Sambrello gave you several uh, games where there were decent snaps, both on the left and the right, in absence of Questenberry. But you look at this situation, Kendall Lamb really never materialized into anything. They took a shot on him. Dylan Radens now is a former second-round pick, has the opportunity to step up, and in comes Nicholas Petit-Frere, who's earned more and more reps. The depth chart on the offensive line, I would say, you know, accurately is weak. Titan Fox on YouTube says, depth chart is weak. I'll wait for the post preseason one. The coaching staff is using it to create strong competition. Well, regardless of the depth chart, uh, 
you know, you understand that the depth at offensive line, you're saying the depth chart is, uh, you're saying the depth chart is weak. I'm saying that the depth at offensive tackle is equally weak. So in kind of looking at this and, and as we move forward, we'll start doing joint training camp practices. The Buccaneers will be here next week, followed by the Arizona Cardinals in two preseason games here in Nashville at Nissan Stadium, which will be a lot of fun to see you guys out and about at. I believe both of them are on Saturday evenings, so, so that'll be a good time, provided that the weather hold up. But I want to start with your Two Rivers Ford take. Who do you expect to start at right tackle for the first game? of 2022. So when the Titans take the field on September 11th, 325 Central Standard Time against the New York Giants, who do you expect to be trotting out with the starting offense at the right tackle position? Dylan Radens or Nicholas Petit Frere? Let me know in the comment section on whichever social streaming platform you're choosing to consume. Uh, this evening, and we will talk about it together. You'll hear from Coach Dave McGinnis of Titans Radio, who had some thoughts on this uh, on my radio show on Friday. We'll do that here in just a second, right after I tell you about the people who present the Two Rivers Ford take. That, of course, is Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford, whether you want to build your next Ford, whether you want to build a 2022 Ford specifically customized to your needs and to your desires the way that I did, then have Two Rivers Ford manufacture it and deliver it right to your door, you can do that. Or if you want to select a vehicle that may work for your family's budget or your needs from any of their selection, one of the state's largest on the lot in Mount Juliet, you can do that as well. New, pre-owned, whatever you need, Two Rivers Ford has you covered. Award-winning customer service, that's what is associated with the brand of Two Rivers Ford, just as it has been for the last 40 years, almost, nearly 40 years. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. You can start to custom order your next Ford at Two Rivers Ford. So, looking at the right tackle spot, who do you think is going to be the week one starter when the Titans take the field? Um, Randy Cherry says it's his birthday, Buck. Well, happy birthday, Randy. It's also uh, my girlfriend's birthday, Dara. Uh, And we are going to, I think, have some (laughs) Uber Eats dinner for her birthday because she had some work stuff going on this evening. So happy birthday to you and happy birthday to her. Uh, Let's let's see. Jeff Roberts says, Radens Dago on Facebook Live agrees. Dylan Radens should be the starting right tackle week one. Daniel Craig also agrees, as does Chris Frazier. Not seeing a lot for Nicholas Petit-Frere, which, um, you know, I think your opinions may change after you watch the preseason. I think there's going to be a lot more NPF fans by the time week one rolls around. Brandon Connor says he wouldn't be surprised if NPF started week one. Well, here's what I'll say. I think, I agree with the majority of you right now, that Radens is going to be the week one starting right tackle as we sit here today on Tuesday, August the 9th, before preseason games have been played, before anything has happened, Tuesday, August the 9th, Dylan Radens most likely to be the starting right tackle. But I think a lot of things could change over the course of the next month or so before the Titans play a game. We're just, we're a month and two days from the Titans opening their 2022 season. So if you're excited about another football season. It's going to be here before you know it. But in the meantime, they need to figure out what the offensive line looks like Thursday and the following preseason games will be a big part of that. When we've talked about this with Coach Dave McGinnis of Titans Radio, 
Max felt pretty strongly about Aaron Brewer and Dylan Radens claiming those starting jobs. Freaking pads, offensive line, defensive line, we start to get a little closer measure of what the competition actually looks like. What, what were your takeaways? What were your observations from seeing these big guys working? Well, I mean, I, I think we know who our, our, our guard's going to be and we know who our tackle's going to be. Feels that way. Yeah, and, 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 and they've, they've, done a, they've done a nice job uh, to me and the fact that they can be out here. <laughs> I, I, I like what they, they're doing. At least they've got some continuity. Now, today you saw Nicholas petit Frere working some right tackle yes. today, which I liked. And, you know, I, 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 I'm, up, I'm up high enough now where I can see all of it unfold, and I like to concentrate on particular people. And Rhett and I were watching petit Frere today. So I, I think that they're on, the right, they're, on the, they're on the right path with what they want to do. Uh, the thing that's going to be important is, is, is when you get up against a different color jersey, you know, how much can you sustain it? Yeah. I think that's going to be really important. So that's Coach Mack, uh, who's going to be on the call, of course, with Mike Keith on Thursday. 6.30 is when the game kick off, kicks off. You can hear uh, Titans radio coverage starting at, I believe, 6 o'clock after 3HL wraps up. And I'll be live in Baltimore. I'll be on the pregame broadcast on 104.5 The Zone, so make sure you're tuned in. I know many of you guys and gals like to listen to the radio broadcast while you watch the game on television. I think that's a great idea. In fact, I think the NFL is now incorporating that into their new, what is it, like NFL Plus, this new app that they're trotting out, which is basically the thing that they, it's it's a whole different uh, sponsorship deal that the NFL is about to make bank on again when it's something that they've had for a couple of years now. It's just they, they're they rebranding it and going to repurpose it and make more money. That'll be swell. But uh, as we look at the uh, as we look at the as we look at the right tackle competition, Petit Frere can legitimately push Dylan Radens. I think Dylan Radens, as we sit here today, is more equipped to be the starting right tackle when they play New York. But if Petit Frere continues on the trajectory that he's on, I could well, I could well see NPF being the starting right tackle by the end of the season. I think he projects better on the left side, which is something to keep an eye on as Taylor Lewan's contract um, starts to wind down, which is coming in the near future. But in the meantime, uh, Radens looks like he's in the best position to succeed. Josh says Petit Frere has more athleticism, and at least he did play at Ohio State instead of North Dakota State, I think is what Josh means. They're not South Dakota State, but North Dakota State. Uh, yes, he was a you know a more heralded prospect coming out of high school. He was a higher-level college player than Dylan Radens was, and he has more recently played competitive football in the Big Ten. Remember that Dylan Radens did not, in his final season, only one game in the FCS that year because COVID uh, kind of wrecked um, things for FCS programs, North Dakota State included. So yes, Petit Frere projects better, projects to be a better player at some point in time. But in the meantime, Radens has been here. He's got institutional knowledge and we'll see how how far that goes to help him. Um, it is something that has, you know, remains to be seen. I think he's got a lot of work to do, but he's in the driver's seat right now and it's his job to kind of keep a hold on. Uh, Raidens did hold his own in that 49ers game, says Dago. You know, that's, it's such a, go back and watch, go back and watch him. Like I know, here's what I'll say. All right. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to jump down Dago's throat or anybody like that. But like we've talked about this before and I think it's important to reiterate it. Dylan Raidens did not play that well against the San Francisco 49ers. 
I know not, you know, the vast majority of us are not going through a game or going back through after the fact and rewatching every single snap that Dylan Radens took at left tackle as the third string guy when Lawan couldn't go and uh, you had Kendall Lamb get COVID on that day. Raidens did not have a good game against the San Francisco 49ers. Raidens blew four blocks, gave up one sack, and had a false start. He was not good. Now, he was good enough for them to win, to his credit. Good enough for him to win. Good enough for the Titans to win, even if he wasn't, you know, even if he got a lot of help in trying to keep him upright against the defense. Mark Jones says Bosa had to switch sides because he couldn't get through Raiden's side. Yes, but it's not because of Raiden's, because they gave Raiden's all manner of help, and Raiden still struggled. Mark, again, I invite you to go back and watch the tape and not be such a blind homer, but Mark is always going to stay in that lane, and I appreciate him for it because somebody's got to, you know, uh, just just recklessly and blindly defend everything that their team does every time ever. It's fine, Mark. We still love you. But it's wrong. It's just not accurate, like uh, by any assessment. Um, they won the game. That is important. That is the most important thing. But to say that Dylan Raidens didn't play well, or uh, to say that Dylan Raidens played well, is an inaccurate assessment. It doesn't mean that he can't play well and at the at the professional level. I have no idea, but I know in that one sample size, and it's not a big sample size, he did not receive a lot of help, or rather, he received a lot of help, and it worked to their benefit. But it also took away in the same way that we've talked about with Lawan. Lawan had this issue too. Lawan, as he worked his way back from his ACL recovery, oftentimes last season, more than any other season I can remember, required the Titans to leave a tight end or a running back to his side to help him block. That's not something that Taylor Lawan has ever had or needed before, and yet they did it consistently last year. When that happens, it means if you're in third and long situations, instead of sending your tight tight end and your running back into a route pattern to try and work the numbers to your advantage, they're having to stay in. Three wide receivers go out. The defense automatically has the numbers advantage, and it often ends in a lack of conversion on third and long when the Titans are so often in third and long because they run consistently on first and second down oftentimes puts them in third and long situations if they're not run blocking efficiently, which didn't happen last year. He's, again, I'm not saying this to bash Dylan Reitens, but I think you need to be and to have a more realistic and accurate assessment of what he actually did last year. It wasn't a lot, but it was a rough sample size what we saw. there. It's entirely possible that it is substantially improved. In fact, I would expect it to be substantially improved. Um now, you know, there's still the kind of transition that we've talked about with Raidens because he exclusively played left tackle in college, and now you're asking him to play right. Um, and it's not as easy as just flipping sides. It's, you know, it's like you're trying to write with your left hand if you're right-handed. That's not how it goes. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on and let's talk about who the most underrated Titan is. Uh, in the comments on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, why don't you tell me who you think, rather, the most undervalued Titan is. Because I saw a clip from Field Yates at ESPN today kind of discussing this, and I'd be curious to know if you uh, agree with his assessment, who the most undervalued Tennessee Titan is right now this season. Let me know in the comment section, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it together 
right after I tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. That's the Ashton team, the official real estate agent of the Preds. They will put you in your dream address without the stress the same way that they did for me. They will do so with the Intel Edge that cannot be matched anywhere else in Middle Tennessee. They're not just the best REMAX team in the country. They're literally the best REMAX team in the world. That's a real thing. The Gary Ashton team last year was named the top REMAX team in the entire world. That's the kind of Intel Edge that you need to succeed in this red-hot Nashville real estate market, whether you're selling your home or trying to find your next one. Trust the people who know the Nashville real estate market better than anyone else. That's the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go. So, who's the most undervalued Titan? It's a pretty interesting question. I saw uh, Field Yates discussing it earlier today. Big time Timmy Tay on Twitch says Fat Randy. I think that's a good one. I think Randall uh, has been uh, a godsend for them. I wrote about that, in fact. I think on Sunday uh, on A to Z sports.com about, you know, how much drama, basically they haven't had a healthy kicking situation, a consistent and, and sound and healthy kicking situation since 2018. Cause you remember 2019 is when suck up had all those issues. They went through five kickers that year, five place kickers that year. 2020 was the Steven Goskowski year and he ended it pretty well, but still on the front end was a nightmare for him coming off uh, an injury plagued year. And then, to start last year, even remember the starting the starting kicker for the Titans in Week One against Arizona was not Fat Randy. It was not Randy uh, Randy Bullock. It was Michael Badgley because Sam Ficken had gotten hurt in the preseason. They signed Michael Badgley like the week of the game. He had one field goal attempt. He missed it. He had two extra point attempts. He missed one of two, and he was summarily cut after the game. Randy on the practice squad. Randy come in in a big spot, give him twelve points in Seattle and route to an overtime victory with Derrick Henry breaking off a 60-yard run. Randy is a stud, but he is not who Field Yates believes is the most under, undervalued Titan. Now you may ask, what is in what context are we, are we defining value? And Field Yates does a lot of fantasy football stuff, so perhaps this is the route that he's going. But I think that his assessment of Robert Woods is also really, really good. Here's my cold take. He's going to be a good NFL player. But what I also think is fair is that he maybe his acquisition overshadowed that of which a player in which we know who he is. Mm -hmm. I think there's a case that Robert Woods is the most undervalued player in fantasy football right now. Robert mm -hmm. Woods current ADP amongst wide receivers is 48. That's the 14th round. He's virtually free right now in your drafts. I'm way ahead of ESPN consensus. I have him as wide receiver 34. They traded mean the Titans A.J. Brown this offseason, of course. That vacates a nearly 25% target share. Julio Jones was not good for Tennessee last year, but still, he's also not there anymore. The incumbent wideouts on that Tennessee roster, it's a very, very thin group just in terms of the guys coming back. And if Traylon Burks is going to need some time to get acclimated to the offense, this could be Robert Woods' basically job unto himself as the wide receiver one. Yes, it's a run-heavy offense, but you still have to throw the football some. Second of all, Robert Woods is good. Like, I know that the mm -hmm. offense he's going to versus the one that he left when he got traded from the Rams is very different. 
He's just a good football player. He's averaged over 15 fantasy points per game over the past four seasons. Just look at the raw numbers. And I'm going to, I don't always like to, to touch on the raw numbers because there can be some misleading numbers involved when you look at season long stats, but his last three full seasons, 86 catches, 1,219 yards, 90 catches, 1,134 yards, 90 catches, 936 yards. I don't know if the Titans will do this, but he had some rushing value as mm-hmm. well. I love Robert Woods. I think he's being undervalued in drafts right now. I think he deserves to be much closer to wide receiver 30 than wide receiver 40. So that's Field Yates, and he's running it through the fantasy football prism because that's what a lot of the work the field does. Now, Josh uh, points out that the context of this take, though, is that he didn't do any research about Traylon Burks, and that's been um, something that Field Yates has been criticized this whole uh, thing that we talked about last night with a Traylon Burks report being taken out of context about him. You know, they put it in, they put it in, they framed it as him only working with the second and third team and not also including the fact that he'd been getting reps with all three quarterbacks, Tannehill, Woodside, and Malik Willis. Um, so, you know, there's, there is some of that that you have to take, uh, that you have to take with a grain of salt. Uh, Josh says this dude Yates got duped by the misinformed NBC article. You'd think somebody like him would do actual research. Now, listen, Field Yates is utterly prepared. The, I, I think, I think that's nonsense, honestly. And I, listen, I've gotten got I, field covers so many more players across so many different teams that I can forgive him one mistake. You should as well. Like it wouldn't kill you to have a little grace about the situation, even as it affects your team and you're bent out of shape about it. Like you're allowed to be butthurt. I get it. But also like, don't be ridiculous. It, it's, it's hard enough for me to remember or learn a new roster every week with the Titans opponent. And I cover one team. It's tough. It, it is. It's legitimately tough unless you are, I mean, and field is doing it through the fantasy football prism, which is even more granular than me just looking at depth charts ahead of, you know, week two against the bills. It's, it's not a, it's not, it really is a painstaking thing. And I say that as somebody who, who just does one team, just one, it's really, really, uh, it, it can be overwhelming. I still don't know all the undrafted free agents. I have read 84's name 16 times during the radio show. The kid out of Air Force. I know he plays for Air Force. I know what number he wears. I know which which tattoos he has on which arm. And I don't know what the hell that guy's name is. I just don't. Because he's not going to, you know, respectfully to 84 from Air Force, he's probably not going to be here in three weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just how much bandwidth do I want to devote to a player who's going to be here for the duration of the summer? And that's about the extent. Maybe he gets lucky and gets on the practice squad. Maybe he doesn't. If he lasts on the practice squad, I'll have to learn his name, just like I did with Mason Kinsey or Cody Hollister or honestly, Nick Westbrook Aquina. I remember looking at NWI, his rookie year in 2019, and be like, the hell is this guy? This guy stinks. And he, you know, frankly, he wasn't good at the time. But to the coaching staff's credit, they found, uh, they found that uh, they found that they could legitimately develop him working from special teams on up. And he did really, really well. Uh, I, I think this is, I think, I assume this is Austin's YouTube account um, because that's the same as his, well, I don't want to say what it's the same as in case somebody um, would end up sending him something. Anyway, 
Uh, he says, poor Brandon Lewis. Yes, I like I said, I know everything about Brandon Lewis except his name. Except his name. And I, I, I will have forgotten it by the end of the show. And it's not Brandon Lewis's fault, just as it wasn't Makai Sargent's fault or uh, Kalfani Muhammad or all these kind of fringe players that come in and out of NFL rosters every damn year. It's it's a lot to retain. So I'm going to go ahead and cut Field Yates a little slack because Field is really, really damn good at his job. Um, and I, I don't know Field, but I know his work and I know that he's reliable, he's trustworthy, he's well-sourced, and he actually talks to scouts, players, agents, and coaching staffs. Um, because Field, I believe, was a personnel guy for the Patriots before he uh, turned into fantasy football guru and the heir to Matthew Barry's throne at this point. Because Matthew Barry's no longer at ESPN. Titans Kyle says, I loved Muhammad. Why? For the week and a half that he was here because he couldn't return punts? Come on. Stop it. I love Muhammad. He wasn't here long enough for you to love him. Respectfully to Kyle Fani. I think he was still in the league last year. I think I like I saw a Minnesota Vikings preseason game last year. Kyle Fani Muhammad was in the back. Uh, the backfield. It was that. It was like the Leo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, what's what's the what's the Hollywood uh, the where Leo's an actor in Hollywood? It's like Hollywood Nights or something like that. It's fairly recent. Anyway, he's got a cigarette in his mouth, a beer in his hand, and he's pointing at the TV like, "No, look." You know what I'm talking about? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, undervalued Titans. I think that Robert Woods is being criminally undervalued, not just by fantasy football, but I think that dude's going to have a legitimate impact. Um, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yes, thank you, Timmy Tay on Twitch. Coming in the clutch, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. See, it's like it's like Brandon Lewis. Maybe now I've said Brandon Lewis's name twice. Maybe I'll remember it this time. It's like Brandon Lewis. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, I know it. I've seen it. I've talked about it. And yet still, it escapes me. Anyway, you uh, choose says, how's Des Fitzpatrick doing? Is he making the roster? You say or no? Um, all right. It may change, but like, I think that Racing McMath is going to edge both uh, Josh Malone, 86, former Vol and Nashville native. I think he's going to edge Malone and probably Des out. Now, could Des end up back on the practice squad? Perhaps. But I don't see enough. I don't see the kind of progress from Des that I'm seeing from Racy, and I don't think all three of those guys are on the on the 53 man roster. I really don't. Um, now we'll see. Uh, they may, you know, John Robinson drafted Des. He's a fourth round draft pick. John may feel strongly about getting him as many opportunities as humanly possible. And Racy was a sixth or he was a sixth round draft pick because they had two sixth rounders in the 2021 draft. Um, so, you know, he may value Dez's potential over Racy, but what I see from Racy, I really like so far. It's training camp. It doesn't, it's not the end all be all, but it's important if you're seeing them perform in training camp, it's a fair assessment that they're, they are, you are seeing something that is positive development and growth in a player who had potential coming in, but was marketed basically as purely a special teams player. If you get something out of him offensively, swell. Because I think it was Rob Moore, the wide receivers coach, who said the other day, there's not that many people that size, 225, 230 pounds, that run a 4-3. He's giant, and he moves fast as hell. And if that's enough to kind of take some, uh, to open up the middle of the field, because you got a dude who just goes streaking down the sideline um, and pushing people out of the way, or if he's blocking down the field for big Derrick Henry runs the way that Corey Davis did, swell. Like, all of that stuff works really, really well for the offense. 
Um, Cordy Jackson says Racy plays special teams also. Well, he plays he's he plays special teams first. He plays offense also. I think that's the way that that's the better way that you would assess. Um, I think that's the best way that you would assess Racy McMath. Uh, Drake says Dan Krukshank is the most undervalued Titan. Well, no, I mean he's not because he didn't play here. He plays for the Bears, and I think he's already hurt for the Bears. Respectfully today, I hope he has a continued uh, successful career and, and maintains his health, although that's been kind of a struggle for him since he's been a pro. Uh, but yeah, Kirkshank doesn't play here anymore. And by the way, they signed a new safety today, Adrian Colbert, uh, because Michael Griffin II, no relation to Michael Griffin, former Titan, was waived injured today, and there was another player who was outright cut. Um, so they're kind of churning the bottom of the roster safety depth at this point with Adrian Colbert, who's been in the league, I think, since like 2017, played for a couple different teams at this point. Okay, let's do a gone viral video. It's a real easy question. Who's got, who have you heard do the best impression of Ric Flair? I think, I think, you know, you, you got to look around and a lot of people just do the woo and call it a Ric Flair impression. No, who have you seen do a good Ric Flair impression? Because I think I've got one that is going to put the rest of your alls to shame. Let me know in the comments, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. We'll talk about it together right after I tell you about the people who will make you go woo when you win money in the Superbook Sports app. Sure enough, the newest sports book to go live in the state of Tennessee, Superbook Sports, is the place that you need to go. Their app is clean and easy to use. They have odds on every NFL game already for the regular season. You can go bet Titans and Eagles in week 13. You can go bet Thursday night football against the Cowboys in December. You can bet the season ender, the season finale in Jacksonville in week 18. You can do all of that on top of MVP, on top of who wins the title, on top of college football bets. Whatever you do, any major sport, Superbook Sports has odds for you, and they'll match their first bet, match your first bet, up to $1,000, even if you lose the bet. Superbook Sports, check out the app or go to superbook.com. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Who does the best Ric Flair impression? That's the question that we're asking you. Here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Jay Lethal does the best Ric Flair. I haven't seen it, but I'll Google it after this, Daniel Craig. I appreciate the nomination. Uh, Derek R. says, does Rhett Bryan do it? The executive producer of Titans Radio? You bet your ass. And Rhett has a really... Rhett does a lot of impressions. I don't know that any of them are, like, great, but they are close enough to where I think Rhett can do a lot of different impressions well enough. Um, Beast Lee says Jay Lethal. I'm going to have to go check out the Ric Flair impression by Jay Lethal. Frank Caliendo, impressionist extraordinaire by B. French. That's who the nominee is. Uh, has to be the guy who got mistaken for Ric Flair on the plane, says producer Reed. It wasn't on a plane. It was on a train. And yes, we were in Tampa. In fact, I had run into Ric Flair at a bar in Tampa last year for joint training camp practices against the Bucks. The night that that picture came out, I am Ric Flair's alibi because I saw him in person drinking red wine at a bar in Tampa, hotel bar in Tampa by himself, as opposed to being on a plane, um, committing various uh, sex acts with a woman 
that was it ended up not being Ric Flair, but great comedy out of it. And I'm sure Ric Flair has had his day planes, trains, automobiles, everything in between. But Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel does a Ric Flair. And, uh, you know, maybe it's just because you don't see you don't see Mike get this animated about a lot of stuff, but he clearly loves Ric Flair. I didn't know Mike was a wrestling fan. And he told us when Flair came to practice, what, like two weeks ago, that he, uh, he used to watch Saturday, Saturday wrestling with his dad um, when he was growing up. Either way, he's clearly a, a fan of the Nature Boy, and he had a good story about the first time that he ran into Ric Flair. Well, you did have the grown man soap opera because the Nature Boy came to practice. He did. I mean, before, again, his last match, he's like a boxer. That's probably his 27th last match, but still, right? You know, he was still out there. <laughs> the had, had you the met, reunion tour. Had, had you met him before? Because I know he gets around a lot of athletic so I, teams. Had you, I, did he, you know he him He doesn't at all? remember this. He won't, and he didn't. But when I was, I think, a junior in college, and it was one night after an Ohio State game, and I was, me and Fickle were downtown, and like we were trying to catch a cab to get back to campus. And it was like two in the morning. And the nature boy is like walking across the street at like two in the morning <laughs> with a silk shirt unbuttoned down below his all chest the all the way down. And like two girls, and I'm like, and Luke's like, no, it's not Ric Flair. I'm like, Luke, it's Ric Flair. I'm telling you, this is Ric Flair. I don't care how long we've been out. I know that that's Ric Flair. He's like, just get in the cab. And I'm like, no. And I go, woo. And he looks up and he does like this little strut. And I was like, I told you, Luke, that was Ric Flair. And then we jumped in the cab and went back to campus. So I had met him, but he just didn't remember it. And with good reason. Perfectly, with perfectly good reason. Good reason. I have only one time in my life seen Mike Vrabel that happy uh, and never at a football practice. Like that was Mike on Sirius XM. So uh, I think, you know, it's like once, once, a, once a year during training camp, they send the Sirius XM table out and uh, Mike Keith will do a couple hours with Charles Davis because Charles is doing the preseason uh, games again on WKRN News 2 here locally with Dan Helley and our buddy Corey Curtis, who is going to be doing the sidelines. Um, I, I, In fact, I maintain that's the happiest I've ever seen Mike. I, I, don't, I don't know that anything in Mike's life makes him as happy as running into Ric Flair at 2.30 in the morning in college, wandering the streets of Columbus, Ohio, after an Ohio State football game. Like, it's just, it's laugh out loud funny. And, uh, and you know, to, to I think, I think, not that Mike needs to show that side often, because I think people get a kick out of him. He's entertaining, whether he's ripping one of our heads off or, you know, uh, making some kind of just clearly pained face where he's doubled over, hands on his knees, looking exhausted like the Popeye's uh, chicken uh, sandwich worker meme where he's doubled over and looking exhausted in the middle of the game, just constantly stressed. But like Cordy Jackson says it best, giddy. I've never seen Mike Vrabel giddy in my life, and he was clearly delighted there. But you know, doing the doing the little the, the little bop or shuffle or whatever he's doing with his shoulders, like he got into it with the woo. But yeah, Mike Vrabel doing a pretty good Ric Flair. Anyway, that's gonna do it for us tonight. Tomorrow we're live from Baltimore, the Inner Harbor. It'll be a great time. My flight uh, is scheduled. Well, you know, knock on wood, provided I don't experience uh, any of these travel delays. Um, that have become so common. My flight is scheduled to leave 5 p.m. tomorrow, and we will get in at 7.50 uh, Eastern time, 
and then do prime time at what would that be eight? No, we'll do it at nine Eastern um, from the Inner Harbor. So that'll be a great time. We'll do preseason. Uh, we'll do the preseason game. We'll have a we'll have a an abbreviated. You know, we'll pop on live. I think at two o'clock. Right, Reed. Two o'clock is uh, is what we'll do on Thursday. Just like a quick you know pregame uh, conversation um about the game and and what's coming up and uh and in in the absence of primetime because there will be no primetime Thursday night and then I'll be back on Friday uh and we'll do the radio show back from Nashville and we'll talk about preseason action for the Tennessee Titans it's exciting football gonna be good stuff all right have a fantastic rest of your evening um radio show tomorrow I don't know who's on it oh Mike Giardi of the NFL Network um apparently the Patriots are a shit show, and Mike has been ripping them ceaselessly on the internet, and it delights me. So we'll go. We'll do a training camp. He's been a, uh, at a couple different training camps, so we'll do a, a little bit of an NFL update ahead of the first preseason game for every team but the Raiders and the Jags. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun from Baltimore. Have a great night. I'll talk to you on the radio at 10, or if not, primetime from Baltimore at 8 p.m. Central Time.